I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. So before we start, I want to say something, because I posted this on Facebook, but Aaron doesn't go on the book of faces. That is correct. And so, you know, five years ago at Fear the Con, all four of us, plus Andrew, posed for a picture that, you know, we, we posed for a picture and we all chose what item we wanted to hold, what comic oh, yeah. book related item. And Jake Ekus, um, you know, did did like a commission of us that you guys uh, who are listening can probably see as like show art uh, on iTunes and stuff like that. So you'll see that Aaron has Dreadstar sword. Tim has Thor's hammer. Um, Wayne has a Superman shirt. Andrew has Wolverine's claws. And I have the Infinity Gauntlet. And I want to say... Five years later, I finally don't have to explain that fucking picture to everybody. <laughs> I I still have to explain. Yeah. That. <laughs> Aaron still Aaron still has to explain that picture to us, and we're on this podcast. <laughs> yes, this is all true. This is all true. But, so, so this is, I guess, is a podcast that's what ten years in the making. Yeah, even though we've only been around for eight. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, we're going to talk solely about Infinity War today. Uh, the, the film, not the comic. But, you know, you never know. Some of the comic might leak in. Yeah. But, uh, but we, are, we have all four seen Avengers Infinity War. I'm correct on that, right, guys? Um, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, Paul's <laughs> the one who didn't go. Now, Paul, how many Paul, you have haven't seen, seen it? I've How seen it twice. You've seen and yeah, I figured as much. You've seen it twice already. Yeah, because that's Paul. That is me. <laughs> yeah. So you saw oh, it last night. Yep, and Friday morning. God, I, I I edited myself there, Paul. I almost called you an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I can say this on the podcast because you know nobody who I saw the the movie with actually listens to this podcast. Um, so I've got a buddy who I, you know, who who usually likes to go to these types of big movies with me, whether it's Justice League or um, I think we saw Black. Yeah, we saw Black Panther and now uh, Avengers. Um, and he wants to go Friday morning. He, he's about an hour and a half out of town. So, we, you know, we meet somewhere and watch the movies on Friday morning. Um, and he thinks that I wait for him to see them on oh. Friday morning. Uh, but I don't because I'm impatient. And so uh, usually I use those opportunities to sleep through the boring parts. Um, you know, like if I doze off, like eh, I just saw it last night, it's fine. <laughs> but, uh, but I will say for Avengers, I stayed fully awake both times. You know, I, I think I can relate to your friend a little bit there, Paul, because it's a little bit like saying, yeah, I'll wait for you at the airport. And then Paul disappears with Andrew to go have beer. What? No, that never I think happened. It's, I think it's a little bit like that, isn't it, Paul? Uh, it's similar, except uh-huh. uh, less beer. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just I'm just saying still hurts, Paul. Nah, you're fine. Still hurts. You're fine. <laughs> you know, if you went to the right movie theater, it wouldn't be less beer. That that's fair, and in fact, if you see Infinity War at AMC theaters, should there be an AMC theaters near you, they have Infinity War themed drinks. I think one is called the Mad Titan, and it's purple, and I don't remember what the other one's called, but I think it's like red, white, and blue, or some something like that. Hmm. Um, so clearly, we are going to talk about Avengers: Infinity War uh, this week, and nothing else. So um, just. We're, I think I, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go ahead and just put put it out there. While we are not going to go out of our way to spoil things, it's pretty. We, we're also not going to go out of our way to not spoil things. So 
anticipate that we're just going to spoil everything because yeah, this is going to be a spoiler episode because I don't know how you talk about some of this stuff without spoiling it. Yeah, this isn't one of those so, non-spoiler reviews. Yeah. We're just going to spoil so, everything. Yeah, so you know, if you haven't seen the movie yet, and who are you, by the way? Um, <laughs> uh, put this one on pause. Go see the movie. Come back to it. But guys, I bought my ticket Monday, the Monday prior to uh, uh, my Saturday showing. Cause I saw it last night. And I got I, I was I bought tickets for the 5 p.m. show. Let me tell you that the uh, IMAX was already sold out. 3D was already sold out, which is fine. I don't, I don't enjoy the 3D films, but I do like to see it in the, in, in the IMAX. The uh, I, I saw it in standard digital, which was fine. I got the last two seats in that theater. Wow. So I waited until Thursday to buy my tickets. But I also got it for first thing Saturday morning, Mm -hmm. so it wasn't as busy of a time. There was no way I could have got Friday seats or anything at that point. But I was able to get – you know, I had options on Saturday. The options were basically, okay, this time there's a seat here. This time there's two seats there. None of them are exactly where I want to be, but that's not bad. That's not too bad. I I, uh, was a little surprised – Based on how every showing was sold out on Saturday, because I started looking, well, maybe if I go see it at three, because I, I didn't want to see it at like eight o'clock at night, you know, where it's going to be the, 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 you know, where I figured it would be more sold out. Right. Or where there'd be more people. So I kept trying to find an earlier time and everything was sold out. And it just really surprised me that they just didn't have every screen in the theater, an Avengers Infinity War screen, because Wow. <laughs> the place was a zoo. It was just like when I went and saw Black Panther. Uh, I mean, it was it, I, I don't know where all these people came from. I mean, they must have been, you know, uh, bussing folks in because it was just crazy crowded at the movie theater. So let me ask you guys, did anyone else see this film in the IMAX? No. Oh, no. I would have liked to have seen it in IMAX, but I couldn't get a ticket. So if you have an opportunity and you have an interest in seeing the film again, which we'll find out here shortly, I recommend seeing it in IMAX because uh, the film was filmed using IMAX cameras. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, So it is specially formatted for that IMAX screen and uh, absolutely worth seeing in IMAX. So one thing I was happy about this week was uh, my loot crate came in on either, I think it was Thursday, may have been Friday. But the T-shirt for the Loot Crate this month was a Thanos T-shirt. So I had a nice new Thanos sitting on his throne with skulls all around him to wear to see the movie. Who was the artist, do you know? I don't know. Oh, well, that's nice because my uh, my Marvel Collector Core box came in and it had a fucking bandana in it. A fucking <laughs> bandana. I did enjoy your, your video. <laughs> you, you know who enjoys bandanas, Paul? Tim. Dogs. Oh. Dogs, dogs. <laughs> I was thinking dogs. Yeah. I was thinking Cobra Kai. Ah, yes. <laughs> it has a bandana and some key clips. So I can put a little key, like I can put a little Funko head on my keychain. I, You know, I, I cracked up. I, I, I watched that video of yours, Paul. And, uh, you know, Paul's like, I don't know what the fuck this is for. He didn't use the word fuck because he keeps the YouTube channel pretty clean. But I mean, he's like, you just see the look on Paul's face. And I think that's the beauty of the unboxing is seeing Paul's reaction to to uh, yeah. to some of the crap he pulls out of the box. <laughs> I was like, what is this? And, and Paul tries to keep it above the line, right? You can really see that Paul's trying. Paul, Paul doesn't want to, you know, disparage the, 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 the loot over much. 
but uh, <laughs> he's really like, yeah, yeah, I mean, you might as well just put a turd in my box. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's basically how the collector core box is. And, you know, I do want to say that I, I keep the YouTube channel PG uh, just because um, I, you know, so I, I go to Bush Gardens a lot for the YouTube channel. And I find that the people who most frequently come up to me and recognize me from the channel are kids. Um, it's either kids or 40 year old men. So, uh, you know, that, that, that's, uh, that's the fan base of the YouTube channel, well, but I try the, to keep it PG the, for them. As the 50 year old virgin, Paul, you make them feel young. Yeah. I'm like Michael Jackson <laughs> on the, uh, the, of the YouTubes. <laughs> <laughs> you actually get people from the, that recognize you from the YouTube channel when you're out there at Bush Gardens, almost every, I shouldn't say almost every time I go to Bush Gardens. Yes. That is hysterical. That is really cool, Paul. Like when I go to, especially if I go to a special event like Halloween, Har like, oh shit, I screwed that up. Hollow Scream. Um, I, I, I will say last year when I went to Hollow Scream, I couldn't go five minutes without someone recognizing uh, the YouTube channel. So when somebody says, hey, you're Paul. The, the, uh, does the other guy go, oh, like, can you hear me now, Paul? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I, everyone doesn't. No one says, hey, Paul. Everyone says, IOM Geek. Ah, they actually well, that, refer to me as IOM Geek. Hey, IOM Geek. Yeah. I'm going to start referring to you as IOM Geek. As IOM well. Geek. Uh -huh. Which is cool. It's it, Don't get me wrong. It's very cool. I, I have zero complaints, but that is why I keep it PG, because it was a lot of kids. Um, and, you know, that, that kind of, that kind of, you know, showed me the light. <laughs> <laughs> but on funny books, you know, I'll I'll cuss up a storm. So if you're listening to this and you come from YouTube, don't tell your parents. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I, I don't I don't have a PG rating. Yeah. Yeah, Tim's parental also, guidance suggested. Also, go into your mom's purse and then go to our Patreon page. Yes, yes, do that. <laughs> there's a Patreon page. There is no, now. There's not a there, <laughs> for you, Wayne. <laughs> Um, so I feel like Tim when he found out there were business cards, right? <laughs> well, that I, was I, almost out the nose. Almost. Well, I am glad to see that all four of us made it through Thanos, uh, you know, eliminating half of the world's population because I really thought at least one of you fuckers would be gone by now. Well, uh, notice yeah. no one's seen Andrew, so <laughs> well, that's that's nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> How would we know? Fair. That's right. So, uh, Avengers Infinity War came out this past week. All four of us have seen it. All four of us have thoughts. Um, I don't even know where to start. I think we should just start, um, let's start at the beginning of the film. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just, uh, you know, the start of the film begins uh, moments after the um, end credits sequence from Thor Ragnarok. And it is almost like there is no clutching between the the shifting of gears from the light jovial tune uh, of Thor Ragnarok to the very dark and tragic tune of Avengers Infinity War. Agreed. Um, so it, it, the Asgardians well, uh, have escaped the destruction of Asgard, uh, the few remaining Asgardians on their on their Battlestar Galactica. And then about 15 minutes later, they're all dead. <laughs> Um, you know, Thanos has taken over the ship and, uh, and, and, and so Tim, you never saw Thor Ragnarok. No. Um, so the start of this film, I'm, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on it. I, I thought it was an in meteor res start. Like, I don't know what's going on. We're just going to go with it basically. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, man, as guardians on spaceships, like I get it. It's, it's sort of canon. 
but it's still kind of weird to me. Well, and Simpsons, you didn't see Thor. That wasn't an Asgardian spaceship. That was a spaceship that came from the uh, Sakaar. The collector's collection. Oh, oh, they stole it off Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Oh, that's great. Yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was it was so strange, and particularly since I just watched Thor Ragnarok last week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was so strange to go from the very hopeful ending of Thor Ragnarok and almost the the sort of ironically funny, like, hey, I've got a good feeling about this. And then the shadow of Thanos' ship, you know, overtakes Thor's ship, you know, the Asgardian, you know, evacuation ship. And to immediately just go into everybody's dead, with the exception of Heimdall, Thor, and Loki. I mean, everybody, you know, I mean, we we assume... And I know I know that we can't really assume that because, you know, we didn't see it. But we assume that that Valkyrie is dead. We assume that uh, uh, the big Rocky guy is dead, that Meek is dead. We assume that all these people are dead uh, other than Bruce Banner. Okay, he's there as well. But uh, I, I, it's just so gruesome in that scene. I mean, it's such a major shift. And, you know, really – one of the things that I argued about in Thor Ragnarok is that there is so much death in that movie, but yet the tone is very light. And I mean, we immediately, there is no transition. There is zip. I mean, it is, it is very clear. These films are made by different filmmakers. Yeah. I was shocked at the beginning of it. I did not expect the, the ship to be destroyed. I didn't expect all of the Asgardians to be dead. I kind of, you know, especially after the end of Thor Ragnarok, you're right. It was such a hopeful ending that yeah. I kind of expected they would end up on Earth and there would be a new, the next Thor movie would be, uh, oh, I can't remember the uh, the author that was doing it, but the Thor story, the Thor storyline where Asgard was floating above, uh, oh, you know, above a town in the Midwest. Right. Uh, uh, J. Michael Straczynski. Is who you're thinking of? GMS. Yes, that's what I expected for the. That's what I expected for the next Thor movie. That's not going to happen. They're all dead. I, well, I also, I, I also didn't expect that the that this would be the only appearance of the Hulk in this movie. Yeah, no, right, right. So, so uh, one of the things that I'll say are just right out of the gate, and it, it affected my thinking about this movie all the way all the way through because I mean there is just. So much death, so much loss, so much destruction in this film. But you have to remember, there's a reality gem in play, right, Paul? That is correct. And, and so, yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to save that for when we get to the ending. But yeah. yeah, but it does. I mean, you know, you're sitting there going, "Oh my god!" I mean, there are no Asgardians left. None. I mean, if you if you if you take it on face value, based on what happened on that ship, the only Asgardian that I think would currently survive is Sif. Because the actress couldn't get her schedule straight to be in the last movie. Well, and we don't see Valkyrie or Korg. Um, but you assume they're dead, right? You assume because, they're dead. Even yeah. though there is a reference later on where um, Thor does say he killed half of the remaining Asgardians. So perhaps the other half were somewhere else. Oh, okay. I didn't catch that part. Yeah, he does He does but, say but, that line. But I didn't see the movie twice. No, there's that. <laughs> uh, so I will say, you know, you mentioned the uh, the reality gem, and we're going to get again more into the ending when we get to that part of our discussion. Um, 
but watching this film, all the death and destruction, um, while it while some, while it was filmed very effectively, especially uh, you know that opening sequence, you know, had a rather some rather tragic moments to it. Um, you know, I the fact that there is an Infinity Gauntlet in play does bring to mind things like you know when we read Secret Empire and you know a cosmic cube is in play, or you know pretty much every you know, event where you know, like, oh, well, the anti-monitor's in play, or there's a cosmic cube there, or there's a reality stone. You're like, you know that a certain portion of this will be undone. Yeah. Um, which, it's you know, is still fun because, at least in this film, they took advantage of that to to have some major events occur that wouldn't otherwise occur. So, to See, Tim, I'm going to predict... Go ahead. I'm going to predict now that any death that happened prior to you know, a gauntlet doing it is still going to happen. I don't think they're going to undo the Asgardians. I don't think they're going to undo any death that happened before the last five minutes of the movie. I, I think we with our, you. Yeah, I agree. I, I actually I disagree with you guys on that one. Yeah, no, I same here. I, I, I feel that, uh, uh, we've got a major Marvel cinematic universe reboot coming at the end of the second part of this movie. But I want to go back to something that Tim said, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you're sort of led to believe that the Hulk is a big player going into this movie just based on the trailers that you see. And, uh, you know, we only see him in the opening five, seven minutes of this movie. Um, and then it's all, you know, uh, Mark Ruffalo, you know, as Bruce Banner trying to get the Hulk to come out. But the Hulk, I gather, is is all askeered because he got his ass handed to him by uh, uh, Thanos, right? Um, so that... That uh, bit from the trailer where you see all the heroes, you know, charging into action uh, in Wakanda and the Hulks in that background, that was just for the trailer. <laughs> you know, or that, was it or was it? And so, um, well, well, I, I don't want to talk about the ending, but, you know, there is a time gem in play. Um, you know, I, 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 well, I when right. we get to, when we get talk about the ending, I, I have a strong feeling that there is some time travel involved in the next Avengers movie. Well, I, I, and absolutely. I would, I would assume we're going to see all the gems in play mm-hmm. in the next movie. Right. Yeah, so, um, and that, that you're right, Paul, that clip from the trailer could be a scene from the second part. I, I think if you add that to a lot of what the actors are saying, there's a, a, a a ton of misdirect going on. Oh yeah, a ton. Because yeah. when you hear when you when you when you hear when you when you hear that that's going to be, uh, you know, that's going to be that you're not going to see some of these actors in the, in another another Marvel movie. It's like I don't see how you do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't see that. Especially they have to be in the next you know Avengers movie. I I don't see how you do it without that. Yeah. Uh. I would say, since you mentioned Hulk, that one of my disappointments in the movie, and it's not a big disappointment, I was really looking forward to just seeing Spider-Man and Hulk together on the screen at the same time, and we never had the opportunity for that to happen. Well, right. that, that's a good that's a good leeway into the next part of this conversation, which is the fact that this film takes multiple threads, right? So, you know, it, this is, they say it's the culmination of 10 years of Marvel movies, but it's really not, right? It's the start of it, but Avengers 4 will probably actually be the culmination um, because this is not the end of a storyline by any means. Um, but we have multiple plot threads or multiple simultaneous storylines that occur throughout the film. So, for example, uh, they, they split the party, essentially. And um, 
Spider-Man is not in the same thread as as Hulk is. So, you know, you have you start with a, a battle in New York that features Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, uh, Iron Man uh, and Wong, I think, are the four involved. In, oh, and, and, and Bruce Banner. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say. Um, you know that 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 starts in uh, in in New York against the Ebony Maw and Cull Obsidian, um, and so whose names I don't think are ever said in the movie. Only oh, Ebony Maw is referred to once as the Maw, but that's it. Um, yeah. Which I, I I will say um, was one of my biggest gripes with the film. And I'm just going to preface this by saying I really did love Avengers: Infinity War. Um, it's it's not my favorite Marvel movie. Uh, but one of the biggest qualms I had it was the treatment of the Black Order, because they really could have been anyone. Visually, yeah. they represented the Black Order. Mm-hmm. Personality-wise, the only one that had any pe- personality was Ebony Maw. The rest of them were b- pretty much interchangeable grunts. I felt like there there wasn't really any. They 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 had individual looks, but they weren't certainly like they were in the comics where they had individual personalities. Yeah, it actually would have been nice to see something about putting that team together about who they are. And, and I don't know, maybe that happens in the next movie. But yes, they did seem like, you know, even though they, they were visually interesting, uh, there didn't seem to be a whole lot of character to them. But I will say, Paul, mm-hmm. that for the first time, certainly in an Avengers film, <laughs> uh, short of Loki, we get to see a real villain with real motivations. Agreed. And, um, and, and, and uh, I thought Thanos was extremely well portrayed, um, heavily. And, and you can't have Thanos without heavily borrowing from Jin Starlin to begin with. But his sympath- the sympathetic aspects of the character, I, I think, are, are, are well, very much ripped straight from the Jim Starlin pages. Well, and a, a much more mature Thanos... Uh, in terms of where they where they take the character from, right? Rather than his his earlier days where he was just all death, death, death. Um, one of the things that I, I was real curious about is if they were going to play into the comic uh, romance between Thanos and Death, and I and I mean that both literally and metaphorically, right? Where he just his goal is that he just wants to kill. You know, he just thinks that everybody should be dead. But Thanos in the film is is a has a much more and I hate to use this word, but benevolent sort of of uh, take on it. He yeah, truly he believes he's a good guy. Yeah, he 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 feels like he is uh, managing a herd. Right. He's managing resources uh, that there are just too few resources uh, for everybody. So if you reduce the herd. Right. You know, just like you would with, you know, cows or any other type of livestock, um, there would be more for everybody else. And he, he truly just wants to sit back and, and, and uh, you know, after having done this this thing that needs to happen as it, from his perspective, he wants to sit back and enjoy enjoy what he what he's, you know, sowed. And everyone sort of share the riches. You know, he, he shares an example in the film. Like, yeah. We killed half the people on that planet, and now that planet is wealthy and prosperous, and everybody has food. Before I did that thing, people were starving. You, Gamora, were starving when I found you as a child. That doesn't happen on that planet anymore. So he actually has a perspective. Now, I think his perspective is fundamentally wrong because how do you how do you handle – I think I think you have to – if you're going to adopt that, that uh, ideology, you have to continue culling. You, you you can't just be one and done 
you have to continue culling. Otherwise, you have to put some some sort of universal birth control in place because, you know, people will breed up and to fill those empty spaces. Right. Yeah. And, and so they, they, they have given him a very um, it's funny. They've given him a very racial ghoul motivation. Yeah. Uh, because it, for anyone who's a longtime DC Comics reader, that that's basically racial ghoul as well. You know, thin the herd. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the the re- so that the the strong can survive, and and it's a little different in that re- um, Thanos is you know random, like we need to right. do this at random, um, you know because if 50%. I fifty percent, you know <laughs> yeah. with no, with no um, no bias, but you know I, I was I was surprised because you know in the comics uh, up until probably what the last twenty years or so. Thanos has not been particularly sympathetic, right? You know, the, the, the first half of his longevity was just him being a bad guy, right? And it wasn't until he got his own comic that, you know, they, they really started to plumb the depths of, you know, he does have some redeeming qualities, very few, but some. And I was just so surprised to see that there, there is kindness within Thanos in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, that scene where where he has recruited Gamora yeah, as a child, and he doesn't let her see the the killing behind her, right? Yeah, the comic that book Thanos. Yeah, comic book Thanos absolutely would have showed her those people being killed, and he would have reveled in it, right? Between he didn't do that, that and showing that he actually loved Gamora. Yeah, those- well. Those really got me. I didn't expect that from the character. And, and I think that the, the, the fundamental shift is that Marvel Cinematic Universe Thanos takes no joy in the killing. Yeah. I mean, even when he is fighting Tony Stark and, you know, uh, he, you know he has beaten Tony Stark and uh, he, he tells him, he says, you know, I hope they remember you. I mean, I, and that wasn't like, you know, saying that in a, in a false sense of bravado. I mean, it was he seemed very genuine and earnest. I, I, he respected I, Stark. Yeah, I admire what you're trying to do. I don't agree with it. I hope they remember you. And I was, I, I thought that was a very nuanced, mature choice for what is otherwise regarded as a popcorn movie. Yeah, I, I, I truly admire the uh, the the perspective that we got on Thanos in this film, which surprised the hell out of me, given what we've seen in snips from the prior movies. And, you know, I'm sure that a, a product of that is based on, you know, who is responsible for this film versus who is responsible for those other uh, scenes that we've seen over the last 10 years. But I was just very surprised, very appreciative of this portrayal to, to give us a villain who has a real perspective other than just, you know, death and mayhem. So speaking of uh, portrayals of characters, why can't Sony make Spider-Man as awesome as Marvel does in <laughs> these movies? In his own movie, he is ineffectual, yet in the, you know, in the Marvel movies, he shows up and he's awesome. I I, I thought Spider-Man Homecoming was a really good movie. Um, oh, yeah, I love that movie. I, no, I, mean, I, enjoy, sure. was, I enjoy it, was, too. I, I think uh, Wayne's referring to the uh, uh, Amazing Spider-Man and the, uh, you know, Tobey no, Maguire Spider-Man. No, I'm I'm talking about Homecoming. I like Homecoming. Really? But in Homecoming, he is ineffectual. He gets his ass beaten. He can't even uh, chase down a truck without having problems. He is not impressive in the fight. And in the end, he doesn't actually beat the villain. The villain sacrifices himself. Now, I love the movie. I thought it was a great movie. 
But when it comes to being impressive, Spider-Man was not impressive in his own movie. He was very much the novice and even has to be rescued by Stark at one point. And but when he shows up in the Avengers movies, he's on par with any of the Avengers. Well, I think he is impressive. I think that the character is consistent. And I think what you're saying is that the character is inconsistent. And the the consistency, I think, is that in uh, Civil War, which was his first appearance in an Avengers related event, um, he is coached by Tony Stark. Right. Whereas in Homecoming, he is he is often his own setting. He's often his own world. And he is is having to be the big brain. And I think what we see here in uh, Infinity War is he chooses to be the hero. He chooses, you know, there's that moment where, where Stark sends him off the field and he decides, hey, I've got this new iron spider suit that Tony Stark hooked me up with. I think I'm going to stay and help Tony Stark because he's in danger. And I think he performs up. I don't I don't find those those stories inconsistent. You know, I, I'm going to use an analogy that they probably never thought they, – they, they're probably not using it as far as what, what they're thinking is. But a lot of sports teams will play to the level of their competition. That's right. Yeah, no, so, I, I absolutely agree. Yeah, so when you're fighting that, the vulture, eh, you know, you know yeah. Yeah, you've, got to, you've, you've got to bring it, but you don't have to bring it to the level of, oh, my God, I'm in space, and this is, pro- this is probably a one-way trip. Yeah, that is very much a Spider-Man type thing to do to the play to your uh, – your competition but yeah. i don't know it's even when he just first shows up he's he's right there he's in the fight he's doing really well he's saving people he's it just seems so much more effective when he's in a marvel movie than when he was in his own movie i you know i love the portrayal of spider-man both in civil war and here i like homecoming a lot but i just like him so much better in the avengers movies yeah I mean, I see your point. I do. I, I think it's you know, I, I think I think it's a bit of both, right? I think because uh, some of the writers of I think the writers of Homecoming had something to do with this film as well. So I think it's just a matter of different scales, different you know, different directors. Um, I liked Spider Man's portrayal in this. Uh, I thought it was. I will say I thought it was pretty convenient. I don't know about hmm. you guys, but I found it very convenient that there was oxygen on Titan. Um, and then that, you know, he and Tony Stark could operate and Dr. Strange could operate without masks on, um, you know, I will say that in the comic book, there's oxygen on Titan bullshit. Well, no, that's probably accurate. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was like, huh, they just took off their masks and they're in space (laughs) because there was a whole, uh, a whole uh, community of Eternals there. Yeah, that's true. In the comic, you know, Thanos's father is, uh, uh, mentor, right? Mm-hmm. And he's an eternal. You know, I don't want to uh, to hop us back and forth in the conversation, but I do want to reference something that you had mentioned, Darren, um, a couple minutes ago in regards to the Black Order. It would have been great to see, you know, the team being built. And I understand that this film was already two hours and forty minutes if you include the com- the um, credits. Uh, God, and let me just tell you, that was cruel. That number one, there was only one end credit scene, and they kept it to all the way at the end of the end credit scene. Yeah. Because let me tell you, you know, you've you've already given me a long ass movie that I have. Uh, I I'm, I'm considering how I'm going to re- discreetly refill my uh, my diet coke cup because wow, my bladder was about to burst. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, end credit scene. <laughs> it, you know, it was it, rough. Yeah, I, it it was. But I will say, you know, the, the nature of it being a two hour and forty minute film is that there's, you know, and. 
I, I get that you have there. It was a jam packed ass film. You couldn't fit oh, yeah. another thing in it. However, there are certain things that were surprising to me that they did just come completely glossed over. And, and, and I'm, I'm getting somewhere with this. So give me a second. You know, you don't see the destruction of nowhere. You don't see the destruction of Xandar and you don't see the forming of the black order. And I, I you know, those are all things that I was, that I was surprised were just blown by in the film, especially the destruction of Xandar, given how much importance it had in the guardians of the galaxy uh, first movie. What I find most interesting about that is that Marvel released an official prequel comic and it didn't show a goddamn thing. It showed <laughs> like flashbacks to other films. And I'm like, why would you not show these moments in that prequel comic? You know, the, these moments that actually have to do with the movie. Uh, I feel like th that was such a huge missed opportunity uh, for Marvel to not show important stuff in their prequel comic that, you know, I get it. Like in the movie, it's a throwaway line, but it could have really made for a comic book. Um, so I was kind of I was surprised that to see some of those things excised from the movie or maybe never even filmed um, and they didn't do a comic book about them. Yeah. Along those lines, Paul, I have no idea who the Black Order is. I'd never read them in a comic. So this the movie was their first appearance and they were all except for the uh, the one that had the seemed to have the mental powers. Ebony Maw. All of them. Yeah. All of them seemed really generic. There was just nothing to any of them. And when they made the line about Xandar being destroyed, that was just that I thought that would be a big thing, something we would see. Yeah. So the, the Black Order, for anyone who um, is not familiar with them, you know, came up in Jonathan Hickman's run on Avengers and New Avengers and uh, Infinity. Um, and they are and I think uh, most of them have died, but I think a couple of them were brought back during the most recent Avengers No Surrender storyline. Um, but they are all I wouldn't say they're all because Supergiant, who's not even in the movie, is not really all that memorable. But the other four that are represented in the movie all have pretty memorable moments and are especially um especially uh, Corvus Glaive and Ebony Maw are memorable characters, much more so than they are in the movie. But again, it's a, it's a matter of time. You have two and a half hours and you can't only have one villain. So I get the point of black orders that you have super powered villains in order to take on the heroes. Um, but yeah, it's so I, I feel like we're, we haven't, we've glossed over most of the story, but you know, the, the series is really a sequence, a, a number of giant fight scenes, you know, kind of, you've got peppered character moments in there. Wayne mentioned, um, earlier, uh, the scene on, uh, I don't remember the name of the planet, but when uh, Thanos gets the soul stone and mm -hmm. actually, I think Aaron, you mentioned it, that he has to sacrifice the, you know, that, that it's shown that, or maybe I don't know, one of you, one of you assholes mentioned <laughs> that it's shown that he, he does love Gamora. Right. Um, but I will say that scene where where he has to sacrifice Gamora, um, one, for me, was one of the most emotionally impacting scenes of the film, but also had the biggest holy shit moments of the movie for me. Absolutely. Because you, you see the Red Skull return, and even though he is not played nor voiced by the original actor Hugo Weaving, the fact that the character returned was a huge surprise for me. And, you know, it's funny, as he emerges from the shadows... I'm like, I didn't recognize him at first, you know, because he's got the hood on and I'm like, they're shooting this like I should know who this guy is. And then all of a sudden I catch the eyebrow ridge. I'm like, holy shit, that's the Red Skull. <laughs> the theater yeah. went crazy. Yeah, I, I, I turned to Juanita and go, it's Luke Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah i thought uh, i thought that was an awesome awesome inclusion in this film um and you know it, it i i hope that we see the character return again um but i i i appreciated that they found a way to bring him back again the reason he hasn't come back is because hugo weaving is like fuck you marvel um really oh yeah he he he's he's he he him him and natalie portman they have kind of like burned the bridge uh with marvel and i think with hugo weaving it's won them the makeup but he also kind of seems to frown down upon superhero movies okay (laughs) yeah okay mr matrix three like that was quality entertainment i mean mean, don't get me wrong i enjoy him as uh you know as the elf in uh lord of the rings but come on (laughs) come on um jesus I, I I don't even know how to respond to that. I'm just going to move on. Um, I I got to tell you this this movie is not welcoming to folks who have not been in on most of the last ten years. Yeah, I don't um, see how you could sit down and watch the movie without having seen at least a handful of the movies and have a clue yeah. what's going on. Well, my wife again, not a genre person, she has seen all of the Avengers films. Um, she has seen uh, both Guardians and she's seen Ant-Man, right? But, you know, she doesn't live and breathe this stuff. And really, you know, she she just kind of sees these as, uh, you know, just light fare and, you know, doesn't doesn't retain, you know, the, 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 the lore and the mythology of these films. And so, I mean, she spent half the movie going, I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> I don't know who these people are. I don't, I don't know why everyone's mad at each other. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was really surprised Ant-Man wasn't in the movie. I was, too. I, I they was even really, mentioned him. Yeah, I was really disappointed that Ant-Man wasn't in the film. Well, I think we're going to see what he's doing at this time in his uh, his movie that comes out in July. Because there's two more movies that come out between this and Avengers 4. Um, Ant-Man, which I'm assuming will show what he's doing during that time. And Captain Marvel, which is a prequel that takes place in the 90s, I think. Um, yes, that it's plays, the 90s. Yeah, that takes place that you know that obviously plays into the whole post credit sequence, and I have to say, Ant Man, not a lot riding on Ant Man. Like Marvel's already doing fine between Black Panther and Infinity War. Ant Man two, it could be a piece of shit, and no one will really care. I will. <laughs> well, you know my point. Like it, yeah. it, it'll do fine. It'll it won't be bad, but I, I feel like there is a lot riding on that Captain Marvel movie, given that they set up. Um, you know, Captain Marvel being a huge, uh, an important player for Avengers four, um, in the post credit sequence of this film, which was another nice return to see Nick Fury back because Samuel L. Jackson is like, dude, they aren't even calling me anymore. He's been saying that for years. Like they aren't even inviting me back to the movies. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is, uh, is in the, uh, uh, is going to be in the Captain Marvel movie and they've got him with fake hair and trying to make him look a lot younger. Yeah. So I th- Well, they could do it for Mike Douglas. They can do it for for Sam Jackson. Fair point. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the uh so I I'm going to I'm going to skip to the end, guys. The yeah. the Thanos is successful. He gets all six stones, right? He is he, he at the end of the film, he does exactly what he says he's going to do. He wipes out half of the universe. So, you know, we and we see it real time. I mean, that's the amazing thing is, you know, people just start disappearing from the battlefield and it's people you wouldn't expect. Right. I mean, we lose Peter Quill. We lose everybody that was in the Thanos fight with Tony Stark, except Tony Stark. So we lose Spider-Man. We lose uh, 
Doctor Strange. Doctor so Strange. Thing, and, and I feel like this is important to note. We, uh, As far as superheroes are concerned, mm-hmm. we lose everyone who wasn't in the first Avengers movie. Good point. So, so I feel like that is important to note. Um, uh, you know, the only, the only superhero... You know, because a couple of side characters like Mbaku and um, the 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 character whose whose name I forget the you know the bodyguard of Black Panther, Um, Rocket Raccoon is the only guardian left behind. But other than that, it's only characters who were in the first Avengers film, including War Machine. And I feel like that is important, and I'll tell you why because of this freaking time travel thing I have in mind. Um, You know, they they had. Uh, there, some some set photos uh, came out a while back that showed all of the Avengers in their costumes from the original Avengers movie, and I feel like either that was misdirection or we're definitely going to see some time travel that involves the events of the original Avengers movie when this comes back in Avengers Four, and so that's that's why I think it's clearly intentional that those are the only ones left behind. Well, yeah, they they definitely tipped that that was going to happen. If you if you look at from Doctor Strange on Titan, you'll 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 pick up what's happening here. Yeah, I mean, he did say it was the only way, and he you know when Doctor Strange on Titan, you know he cycles through sixteen million variations of the future, and only one matters, or only one ends up with them winning. And then at the end, he says this was the only way. I feel like we're seeing the only way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to see some time travel and I think it's oh, going to involve the first Avengers movie. I didn't even catch, like, I remember him saying that line that there was only one way that they could, I didn't catch that that was the one way. Well, see it twice. <laughs> <laughs> that would, I, that I would make sense. I don't, I don't think it's a movie I can see twice. I, yeah, the movie's that, exhausting. It is. I, in fact, was- in the, uh, in the final scenes, you know, at the you know the last five minutes of the movie, and I say, I say that pre-credits because the credits again ridiculously long. Um, <laughs> the uh, the last five minutes, I realized that I was I, w- I was tense. I mean, I was like I was like stressed in my seat, and I was like I can't think of the last time I felt like a movie was this intense. And it's a it's a comic book movie for crying out loud. You know, I I I. I I am surprised to say this because it is so much fighting throughout this movie. I really enjoyed this film. I, I am surprised at how much I liked this movie, yeah. despite the fact that I think it starts in a real herky jerky sort of fashion. Um, I, I, I really dug this film and it, it is absent so much of what I like in a Marvel movie. It's absent those little small character moments between uh, bet- between the heroes we don't get much of that. It's all, you know, go hit that thing, knock that thing down. You, you know? know, Eric, you say we don't get much of it, but when I look at some of the things I loved about the movie, some of them were the character moments that we did get. We didn't get as many as we do in uh, the typical Marvel movie, but some of the ones we got I thought were really good. I love Spider-Man's line of uh, you can't be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man if there's no neighborhood. It was a good line. That was I a also, great line. I, I also lo- liked the the picking on Peter Quill about his weight. You know, you're yeah. one sandwich away from being fat. Cracked me up. <laughs> yeah, I loved that. I love the. There are so many opportunities where they could have stopped Thanos that fell apart. One of them was Peter Quill's reaction when he finds out Gamora's dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just about they had the gauntlet off at one point, and that's what stops them from stopping him i i I don't i don't i don't want to get too far into this um because i know aaron we're 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 hurtling towards the end here but uh 
Marvel is forgiven for a crappy Thor movie after seeing this movie. Now, uh, let me ask. Let, let's stop and 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 have this conversation real quick. Number one, the giant dwarf. I thought it was a stroke of brilliance. I love that as well. Really? Uh, I was disappointed in that. Um, really? Because I was like, all right, that's uh, like, you know, they, there was all this secrecy about who Peter Dinklage was going to play. And then he just plays like a giant dwarf. And no, I, I get the point that his character is from the comics. I'm not downplaying the character's importance to the movie. Um, but I was kind of like, huh, it, like it, I, I, maybe I had set up hope that he was going to be Puck too much in my heart. <laughs> um, because yeah. he, you know, like I was kind of disappointed when that's all the character ended up being. Um, and, well, I, I, and I will say, be, I, I was, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Aaron, but I was right. already kind of feeling like the party had been spread too thin in the movie because I feel like the Thor storyline went on a bit too long. Um, well, oh, you, you can go off a cliff, Paul. <laughs> well, no, I feel, because they spent the entirety of Thor Ragnarok telling us that Thor didn't need a hammer. You're not the god of hammers. You're the god of lightning. And then he spends this entire movie trying to get a hammer. And it's like, you just told me he didn't need one. I agree. I, and that, that, that Thor, is where I was going with that, is that the 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 you're right. The entire narrative of Ragnarok is, you know, you don't need a hammer to do your thing. But now he needs a hammer to do his thing. Well, and I, we. Go ahead, In yeah. fairness, he got his ass kicked without the hammer. Well, but not at the end of the movie. At the end of the movie, he's he's fully in his power, even though his power isn't enough to take down Hela. They've got to they've got to blow up Ragnarok. Spoilers. Um, and they got to blow up Asgard. Um, no, I mean in the beginning of this movie, he got his ass kicked by Thanos yeah. when he didn't have a hammer. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's just like I, I found it. Given that this is, there's only been one movie between Ragnarok and this movie, the Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I found it an interesting choice that the, his, the entirety of Thor's arc in this film is getting a hammer. And right. they, and the entirety of the arc in Ragnarok was telling him he didn't need it. Right. But that said, I like Stormbreaker. Stormbreaker was awesome. And I could not geek out enough that the handle was Groot's arm. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was it was a pretty nice uh, solve on that. I, I I dug it. I really did. I I I wanted to see more Peter Dinklage and you know have him have more interesting dialogue than just you know let's make a hammer. Um, but I, I visually I thought it was a, a stroke of genius, and I dug that quite a bit. You know what I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of character moment wise. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more with uh, Mark Ruffalo and uh, oh, her name's escaping me. Scarlett but, Johansson. Uh, Sc- yeah. Yes, I would have liked to have seen them actually talk about that. Yeah. Can I say that I felt like there was a little too much Mark Ruffalo in this film? There was a lot of Mark Ruffalo in this film. You know, I will say yeah. that the characters that they focused on in this film rather surprised me. I did yeah. not expect that much Doctor Strange. No, I'm not disappointed. I thought Doctor Strange was actually pretty pr- better in this film than he was in his own. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was rather surprised, like, wow, there's an awful lot of Doctor Strange in this film. Like, I, you know, you watch the trailers and you just assume it's all Captain America. And Captain America in this film, quite frankly, he was just like, bo- I mean, he, yeah, he, you know, he, had a, he had an awesome look, but he didn't really do much other than fight. I really wanted Captain America to get a membership to Dollar Shave Club because uh, oh. <laughs> him and his beard was driving me crazy. Plus, fucker needs a haircut. I just uh, 
and a good scrubbing. He looked dirty through the whole movie. I did enjoy his conversation with Thor of uh, you got a haircut. You grew a beard like mine. Well, and what, you know what's funny? So it's funny you mentioned that, Aaron, because Jen uh, is not a fan of Chris Evans. Always been a fan of Chris Hemsworth. But Chris mm-hmm. Evans, nah, she doesn't like Chris Evans. And then she comes out of this movie. She's like, you know what? He grew a beard. And yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? What do you what? She's like, yeah, I, I, I like Captain America now. now. Yeah, he's, he's on, on the list. list. <laughs> he's on the list. Captain <laughs> America <laughs> is on the list. You grow a beard. It's now, that, as, that as dirty her, beard look. Everyone likes is her. Is her list strictly composed of Chris's? Like, does she have a Chris Pine, uh, you know, uh, thought as well as a Chris Pratt? I mean, is it all Chris's all the way down, Paul? No, I think it, no, because I think the cream of the crop for her is Joe Mangan yellow. So she, I don't she, know who that is. That's Deathstroke. That's uh, oh. Big Dick Richie from uh, oh, <laughs> from Magic Mike. Gotcha. Yeah. That, <laughs> Alrighty then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so infinity war uh you know i i i will say overall it, it it's probably not even in my top three marvel films for me i know you guys uh have a soft spot in your hearts for guardians of the galaxy but i think for me winter soldier is still my number one um but i i definitely put it in uh you know uh, uh, above many of the marvel films i thought it was a a great film i loved for me you know I loved seeing Thanos, and I loved seeing the Infinity Gauntlet, and I loved seeing the snap. Because even though they made a big deal of it in the movie, um, you know, that, like, you know, like, he just wants to snap his fingers. And I'm like, he really doesn't need to even snap his fingers. Right. Like, once yeah. he has the gems, like, he doesn't need to motion at all. It could just happen. Um, but, you know, the, you know, but that that was, you know, a replica of, or a you know, representation of how it happened in the comics. Um, I, I, I loved that. And uh, I, I will say, you know, I know we jumped to the end uh, because we could go on for hours probably talking about this film. Um, but I, what I found, while the end certainly, you know, I could hear it in the theater, everyone gasping like, <gasps> um, I thought the end was a little, a little, it didn't have the emotional weight for me that I think it did for, for new viewers. Because one, there's a reality stone in play. And two... We already know there's a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three and Spider-Man right. Two <laughs> um, in production, so like, well, you know. and I also did any of us not expect that to be the end of the movie? Because I've been expecting that for a long time. For that I figured that was going to be ended. how it ended. Yeah, it wasn't even a surprise. I don't think for any of us. Well, but but the question is not were we surprised? Were we entertained? Yes. And I very much was. Yeah. Um, I, 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 again, I, much to my own surprise, I dug the hell out of this movie. Um, I, I, I was so surprised at how effective it was, given the fact that there's really not much of an arc in the film. You know, I mean, it's just fight, 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 fight throughout the movie. Uh, I am surprised and amazed at what they were able to accomplish on screen uh, visually. Uh, and, I mean, it wasn't just the fighting. I mean, there there is some heart in this film. All the heart that I was missing in Thor Ragnarok is right here in uh, Infinity War. Well, and, and one other thing I wanted to throw out actor-wise, we've never seen an actor on screen with uh, Iron Man that I think that really puts Robert Downey Jr. on that's on par with him. Mm-hmm. Even Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr. has a charisma that just takes over the screen. I think there's something about seeing Robert Downey Jr. and Benedict Cumberbatch together. He was his equal. The two characters seem to be equal as well as the two actors. 
And I really enjoyed them interacting with each other. I also enjoyed the the play between Thanos and Tony Stark. Yeah. Um, you know, they they each saw each other as their adversary. And, you know, Tony Stark, this is the thing that's horrified him since Avengers, right? This is the thing that that has consumed him. This is the thing that made him go nuts in Iron Man 3. Um, th- this, this is his, his horrible, horrible uh, nightmare. And Thanos has seen Tony Stark as his nemesis in, you know, his attempt to, you know, gain the Tesseract all the way back in the first Avengers film. Um, I thought that was very well played. And I thought they hit those notes reminding us, you know, because it's been a long time since Avengers, um, reminding us that, you know, these guys have kind of glimpsed each other. And now they're they're finally on the on the on the battlefield. And, and as I said, as I shared earlier, you know, Thanos says, I do hope they remember you. I, 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 I like that grudging respect between adversaries. This Thanos was noble. Yeah. In his behaviors, at least. Yeah. No, absolutely. I dug it. When's the next one due out, Paul? So, like I said, we have one more Marvel movie this year. We got, well, one more official Marvel Cinematic Universe film this year. We've got Ant-Man, which I believe is in July of this year. Next March, I think, is when um, Captain Marvel comes out. And Avengers 4 will come out on May 3rd, 2019, at least for now. They could bump it up for all we know, like they did this year. And that's right. one thing I want to mention is the, the release date change. While I loved seeing the movie a week early, and I understand why they did it to give more space between this and Han Solo and, you know, and that kind of thing, I feel like it was a, a missed opportunity for the comic books um, because there is a new Avengers number one coming out and free comic book day. And because of the timing of this film, um, like, you know, if you see Avengers on opening weekend and you want to rush right out and buy the new Avengers number one, it doesn't come out until next week. And I feel like originally it would have come out two days before the movie. Now it's coming out after the movie. And I feel like that's a bit of a missed opportunity in addition to the free comic book day. Um, I always loved how that those coordinated. Um, But I feel like, you know, I I, I agree that that would have been some nice synergy between uh, the, the, the two enterprises. However, I think that also tells you what a small slice of the business the comics are for Marvel. Fair. You know, I mean, it's like... Fuck the comics. That's chump change. Yeah, we don't really need them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, really, I mean, what inside the Disney, uh, you know, store, Marvel is just an idea factory, right? The Marvel comics is just an idea factory. The real money is over in the merchandising and in the films. Very true. Very true. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Infinity War a hell of a lot. I'm, 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 I, I will likely see it one more time in theaters. Um, well, I say that now, but, but, but only because there's really nothing coming out in theaters until I think Deadpool too. Um, so if I, I have to wait for solo, huh? Oh, solo looks so good. God, it looks hot. So uh, one last, one last bit of infinity war. And this, this is related to only in that it's infinity war merchandise. Paul, I, or I pre-ordered that, uh, uh, fine. I'll pour it myself. Infinity gauntlet mug. Uh-huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. It's the one that's that looks like an infinity gauntlet with all the gems and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't actually come out until August. What? That's weird. I was checking. I was checking the status of the order. I'm like, hey, shouldn't this be here by now? No, no. August. Well, by then you won't give a shit. 
That's so, right. You know how the loot crate boxes always fold into to create something? Yeah. Uh, this month's loot crate creates a Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, nice. Wow, that's some origami shit right there. <laughs> so, Paul? Yes. What's coming out next week? Well, next week is a big week. Um, not in volume, but in uh, importance. You know, you get the new Avengers, number one from Jason Aaron and Ed McGinnis, comes out on Wednesday. And even bigger than that, at least for, for the folks on this podcast, you get DC Nation number zero, which is a quarter if you pick it up in paper or free if you pick it up digitally. This is the preview of uh, it, it. I don't want to say preview because it's original stories um, that are specific to this book, but is also previewing the wedding of Batman. Brian Bendis's uh, arc on Superman and the upcoming No Justice Justice League arc from Scott Snyder. Um, so that comes out next week, as well as, like I said, Avengers number one and Action Comics special, um, which is the last will and testament of Lex Luthor. The conclusion of Dan Jurgen's um, arc on Action Comics is actually next week in Action Comics special number one. So big week, big comics. Looking forward to chatting about them. Very exciting. All right, guys. Well, you know, unless, uh, you know, some of you guys disappear, you know, a la, you know, Thanos, Thanos' ultimate solution, uh, you know, we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. 